It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey guys, this is Gabby Douglas. If you have an active lifestyle like me, hydration is key. That's why I love the hydration watermelon smoothie from Smoothie King. Blended with whole fruits, coconut water, and more electrolytes than some of the leading sports drinks. Hydration Watermelon is the cleaner way to hydrate with no artificial colors, flavors, or preservatives. So you can recover and perform at your peak ability during the summer heat. Order online or through the app for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. And there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 64 of the No Encore Music Podcast. There's really only one place to start. Attention, everyone. One, one. Shut up. Craig on Kanye. Kanye, or Mary West, has turned 40 years old. Yay! Happy birthday, Kanye West. Happy birthday, Did you all write on his Facebook wall? No. No, he deleted me on Facebook a while ago. How do you reckon he's getting on with, you know, the big 4-0, considering he still thinks he's a millennial? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know know him personally. I mean, like, in many respects, the podcast exists so that one day we can get him on it. Very much so. We're never going to stop until we do. So, you know, watch this space, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. How do you you feel he's going to handle a midlife crisis as well? Oh, my God. Has he not had several already? But that's what I mean. (laughs) Yeah. Like, like, I mean, like, his mid-30s was chaos. What's forty's going to be like? Glorious, I think. It's going to be another glorious age of Kanye. It's like where someone normally buys a convertible, he's going to buy like a spaceship or something. Like. <laughs> well, I've said that I expect to really come into my own when I hit forty. So I expect that he will do the same and he'll lead the way. All I'm right. thinking like fifty-two for me. Fifty-two. Yeah, finally very s- starting to settle into my own skin. <laughs> Life starts at fifty-two. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's a book I would never read. <laughs> to be fair, it's also a really specific self-help book. Like just all fifty-one-year-olds just go, "Oh shit!" No, if you're a regular listener but- to the podcast, which I assume that you are, you'll know that these voices to my left and to my right are my boys. What up, Greg Fitzpatrick? Yeah. Hello, what's up, Colin Morgan? Hey, yeah. And we all convened together. We did at something. 
But before yeah. we did that, Cullum and I convened together somewhere else. Yeah, we went to the wrestling again on Saturday. <laughs> That's right. Uh, get out your no encore bingo sheets or your drinking game. We mentioned wrestling. <laughs> or your wrestling mat. <laughs> it was absolutely incredible. It really was fantastic. It, the best yet? Or are they oh, all yeah, just the, like blurring yet, into one yet, glorious... Best yet, yeah, by a mile. Best o- yet, definitely. Over the top wrestling, as we've mentioned before, in the Tivoli Theatre. Yeah. I got fucking blitzed, uh, <laughs> which is Is that a wrestling term helps. or were you just drinking? So I went to the bar, right? They do like three cans for a tenner, which is kind of their, you know, I guess their USP in some regards. And it used to be Bavaria. And then mm-hmm. it was Prasky. And you're like, fair enough, I can, I, I, I can work with this. No problem. Went to the bar. Guess what they told me? Uh, here's your Czech gold, yeah, which I've never seen before. Never <laughs> like, heard of before, to no. be honest. Czech gold. Oh, yeah. man, I'm telling Not you. even Dutch gold. The taste of Prague with every sip. <laughs> Brewed by Czech masters, it said. And it had a slick geometric logo of a lion yeah. on the can. <laughs> so I assumed this would be grand. And what? was it? It was, yeah. What, once it, was I got to, it wasn't until they ran out like an trick. hour later. <laughs> once I got to the third can, I was enjoying it. <laughs> but a great show. Good time had by all. But it meant that. Angel Cruz... Uh, Scattering out from below the ring with an axe the fire remains axe. one of the funniest things I've ever seen. I don't understand having a, an axe at a wrestling thing when you know you can't use it. It's never going to be used. There's no, there's no jeopardy. It's, it's pretty scary. I don't think I could suspend my disbelief. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. I also got a good, I got great purchase on it as well. A good bro slap with Matt Riddle on the way out. Yep. Me too, yeah. Oh, Big Matt. Big Matt. <laughs> sweaty, <laughs> sweaty bro hug from that little riddle, though. What a guy. So, yeah, what a dude. Lion-like hair. Then, yeah, uh, the following day, we went <laughs> Not off... Not the geometric variety, either. We went off to Forbidden Fruit. We on did. what was, perhaps, the wettest day I've ever stood outside voluntarily. Why did I go on Festival Hiatus last year? <laughs> that. And what happened again when I came out of Festival Hiatus? That. The last time I saw you, actually, you were leaving early. I don't, know from what you're, Bonnie Bear. I don't know what you're talking about, mate. Storming well, let's out. start at the start. Well, actually, Cullum, pleasantly saying goodbye and then leaving. Cullum calls leave. to my gaff, and what did I do? <laughs> <laughs> the most Dave Hanratty move ever. He was like, uh, sorry, mate, I've just got to do something for five minutes. I just sit down there, like, in the living room. I'll be down in two minutes. No problem. Yeah, I just hung out in the living room for a few minutes. Dave came back downstairs and explained that he had to finish watching the season finale of The Leftovers. The series oh. finale of The Leftovers yeah. is the last ever episode. There's four minutes to go. There's only one left over. <laughs> Very good. Thank you. Very good. As for the festival, yeah, we left the house to torrential rain, which just mm-hmm. did not let up. Yeah. And, you know, it's a cliche, but it's true. Festivals are... Spirits were undamped. Spirits, my, my, my spirits were severely dampened. Yeah. yeah, so were mine. It was a good gig, though. We reveled, though. We did revel. Didn't I'm glad revel. Danny Brown was in his tent. Well, that was let's, great. let's go was... act by act. So yeah. we, we started off our day watching Roos and Gana family having a chat in the hot press tent because yeah. we were looking for shelter. That was enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Good lads. Mm-hmm. And what else? Yeah, saw Talos play Yep. in the company of our good friend Dahi yep. and brother Yosef. Uh, I quite enjoyed Talos. Very, very good. I quite enjoyed that. Like you know, a lot of people kind of came in to get shelter from the rain and enjoyed what they were seeing. And kinda, yeah, absolutely. You know, it had that beer garden chatter thing, which yeah. you get at festivals because you can't help That's it. Fair enough in the circumstances. Danny Brown's set was interesting because he was in full friendly match mode, not even taking off his coat. <laughs> what a yeah, coat! What a coat! Though. Great coat. I'd love yeah, to have great. that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but during that set, um, myself and Dahi noticed something was happening. The Flying Lotus was testing all of his visuals. But we don't know if it was Flying Lotus himself. We can't. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, we not can't make that I'd be surprised if he's no. still in charge of that. Like, <laughs> it's a very complex yeah. thing. So Danny Brown's playing every now and then, like these kind of weird test visuals flash up on the screen. And myself and Dahi found this hilarious. I was moved to tweet about it, which I did. And I didn't tag anybody in. Like, this is crucial. I just said, greatly enjoying what appears to be Flying Lotus, testing out his visuals during Danny Brown's set. No fucks given. So that was the only tweet I made all uh, at the festival. That was it. 
upon leaving later on, I checked my phone. Mm-hmm. And it turns out Danny Brown had, I guess, searched for himself and quoted my tweet yeah. and said, super pissed about this shit right now. He later deleted it. But the point is, listener, if you never get the collaboration between Danny Brown and Flying Lotus that you so crave, it's uh, probably I'm, Dave's fault. I'm to blame. I'm, I'm a bit disappointed that, like, I hadn't thought of that, that he might be just constantly searching for himself o- online. I'd rather prefer it was just some mad Danny Brown serendipity where he was just crazily scrolling to, through his phone. He was just like, wait a minute, what? There's a Reddit thread about this incident, <laughs> which I've read. Oh my God, you all must right. be delighted. Oh, yeah, my ears were burning. This yeah, is Dave. like that Joe Day all over again, isn't it? And it kind of like, like, hilariously, like someone has like, like, like the, the version of events as it went down and it goes, accusers first tweet accuser's second regretful tweet because I was like what have I done <laughs> but Danny Brown was fun but I mean it's, it's that festival thing though of kind of like you know like it's, it's a bit of crack it's enjoyable but you know it just feels like they're kind of hitting the marks going through the motions I did enjoy like a lot of the material from Atrocity Exhibition from last year his DJ was a lot of fun the Flying Lotus DJ set I found a bit kind of I wasn't I couldn't really get fully into it we were kind of at the back it was still yeah, a bit was... bright uh, a lot, it looked like a lot of people who were just straight out of bad episodes of Skins uh, Lisa Hannigan outdoor in the rain I feel for, sorry for Lisa Hannigan because you know th- like she, she's a good performer but my god did circumstances go against her in this case we were just getting absolutely lashed out of it and she's like trying to perform a Seamus Heaney poem put to music and everyone's I just was like we just want out to dance I was yeah, here come out. the staves to do a Seamus Heaney poem I think I, I actually allowed went fuck off like yeah. And you know, I've long said this. Thankfully it wasn't midterm break. You know, kind of national treasure, Seamus Heaney. I'm convinced most of the country has a massive dislike for R.I.P. Seamus Heaney. Well, just because (laughs) of your memories of leaving Sir Poetry or something? Yes, that. And also the fact everyone in the field just went, fucking Heaney. The best part was when you were like, like, you started laughing and I was like, what? And you were like, look at everyone. Everyone's miserable. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, Bonnie Bear. uh, Sorry. Yeah, we caught a bit of Reese and Ghana family uh, playing as well. Well, yeah, over stage. Um, great as always. Yes, bouncing around the gaff. And, no uh, heenie. Yeah, and and a welcome respite. It should be said from uh, the Lisa Hannigan um, more subdued affair, I suppose. And then obviously Bonnie Ver um, charged with making this all worthwhile, so to speak. Now, when Craig says I left early, it's true, listener. I did <laughs> because I after an hour of standing in the rain, I was like, I can't do this anymore. It's getting too torrential. I remember turning to you and I was like, I'm going to bail, and you're like, Really? And I was like, Yeah. I was like, I've seen him before. And there was some girl next to you who was looking at me like, like, like I was a heathen. And I felt like going to my sister. Was it? But I felt like going. Like I've seen him before. I live around the corner. Like you know, I'll hear him as I leave. And it turns out I did hear him as I leave because yeah. I, I was sent the long way around. So I'm stumbling around the streets as like skinny love is playing or whatever. Sure. Uh, got home to the hottest, best shower of my life, though. Let nice. me just say that. It was great. Sorry, I missed that. But I enjoyed what I saw, Bonnie Bear. It was just the conditions. It's just too much. Yeah. Now, yeah. I really. I Don't really have outdoor gigs ever. I, it got to a point where I was wet enough that I stopped caring. So yeah, I just exactly. couldn't You literally reached saturation point. Yeah. Like, it's just there's no wetter I can get now. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it, it was fine once I got to that point. It should be said, it was helped by the fact that when the bar ran out of beer, I decided to have a pint of wine. That, <laughs> what uh, is it with you and the bar running out of beer? Like, that, that, <laughs> I, I think I'm going to say it's pure coincidence, but. Oh, yeah, I've never encountered that scenario where it's just like, well, they're out of beer. Bring this on happened, the pint of wine. This happened three times now like, at events that I've gone to you with. It should be said that if it was... You the, drank them dry. No, if it was... Yeah, exactly. The it was still raining. If it was the case that I've been hitting it continually, yeah. I, I hitting might it continually by Cullen Morrigan. 
Oh, oh let's just wrap it up. Come on, let's go. Yeah, let's. Are, okay. Is this still the Craig and Kanye? No, is that music? <laughs> and that yeah. was Craig and Kanye. Got out of that. Okay. Um, From one comedian to another. Yeah, Jerry Seinfeld um, <laughs> is a guy who typically stays out of the news for the most part. He should be said, and certainly doesn't uh, feature in music news all that often. But that changed this week. He was on the red carpet for uh, David Byrne's event, wasn't it? Um, and Kesha decided to rock up halfway through an interview and look for a hug. And it didn't go well. Yeah, he was being interviewed at the time as well, so it was all captured awkwardly on camera. Um, Kesha went up and said, I'm Kesha, which is nice of her to, you know, kind of mm-hmm. not just assume that Jerry Seinfeld would know pop sensation Kesha. She said, I love you so much. So again, just, you know, declaring her love for Jerry Seinfeld. So she knew they were on good terms. Like, he knew they were on good terms. Can I give you a hug? And then Jerry Seinfeld was just like, eh, 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 eh. and he did his Jerry Seinfeld <laughs> well, thing. He said, he said, no, thank you. you know, that- Sorry, yes, very pleasant. Like, no, like just you. so that no one is uh, like impeached on this one let's just have a listen to the audio it's hard to just sleep when you're tired because people are tired most of the time i love you so much oh thanks can i give you a hug no thanks please no thanks a little one yeah no thanks (laughs) i don't know who that was yeah that's kesha okay well i wish her the best now um i can't say much more in an open setting but what i will say is that (laughs) If she's such a fan of Jerry Seinfeld, surely she should know, like that the Seinfeld should have seen the kiss hello. The, the 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 Seinfeld character on the wonderful TV show, which I maintain is the best sitcom of all Frasier. time. Frasier, the best sitcom of all time is Seinfeld, not Frasier. And the Jerry Seinfeld character is kind of him turned up to eleven, but maybe not even all the way up because you know he's kind of all about his personal space and yeah. germs and all this kind of shit. So if she was such a diehard fan as she claims to be, she would know that that was never going to pull off. And I, I've seen a lot of people be like, how dare he do this? And like, I'm just kind of like, well, to be fair, I mean, like, you know, guy doesn't want to hug, guy doesn't want to hug. Yeah. I'm a hugger, but, you know, if someone didn't want to hug me, I'd understand why. Very, very true, it. yeah. Is there any chance she knew full well and just wanted a, a like classic Seinfeld moment? Possibly. <laughs> she does actually have a classic Seinfeld moment, to be fair now. Yeah, yeah. You just remix yeah. it with the bass drop and background. Exactly. <laughs> it all worked out. Yeah. I hope we can crowbar Jerry Seinfeld into the podcast more as we go along. <laughs> we'll make that a mission from this point forward. We should. Um, elsewhere, uh, Courtney Love has been talking about a new book. Uh, which is not going to feature the stories that she doesn't want it to feature, which her own ghostwriter was trying to draw out. It is, uh, uh, I hate to sound salacious here, but I think a lot of people read celebrity books for sordid details. Of course. And I think with someone like Courtney Love, whose life has been quite hedonistic, you might, you might mm-hmm. say, in some regards, you know, a lot of people are going to pick up that book because they want to read about the sordid details. And she's kind of shooting this down now and saying that, like, you know, I want it to be more about the music man and I want it to be more about kind of, you know, deep, profound things. I'm sure it can be all three of those things, but it just seems kind of odd if you're going to sell yourself as, like, this is a tell-all story, but I'm not going to tell you that much. Because she's already had one ghostwriter. She wants a co-writer rather than a ghostwriter. She worked with a guy from Rolling Stone called Anthony Bozza uh, for the last few years and apparently turned into a bit of a total disaster. She labeled it as a nightmare. So it doesn't sound good. He's yeah. been, he's been suing her for two hundred grand worth of unpaid money. Uh, this is kind of one of those stories that like like this happens a lot more than you might think it would. Of course, like you just don't hear that it reported that often. That's it. Why she's saying it out in public? I have no idea. I mean, like it's something that like we're going to know very well as journalists. But I think most people know that. Yeah, like, we can we can talk about one that we definitely can't talk about in an open session. Well, yes, but like no matter no matter how long or how good an interview you get, you only, you know you're only getting whatever the artist wants to give you. Yeah, for sure. It's 
when you come out and say, listen, I'm not going to tell you everything now, folks. But the big All right, thing... Why yeah, will I buy it? The surprising thing is that it's Courtney Love. I mean, she says everything about her life anyway already. Yeah. She's constantly just befriending journalists or just talking to whoever. I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen her on the Howard Stern show. She's been on over the years and has just documented nearly everything. I don't know what there's left to tell, really. That intrigues me. Yeah, what what's she keeping hiding now? Yeah. Yeah. But no, she's kind of talking about this book like she wants it to almost be a like an art piece in and of itself and just kind of really tastefully done and kind of get to the heart of what her music's about and all that. And no, I'm not reading Probably it. won't read it. No. <laughs> uh, we also uh, won't be hearing an awful lot more from Childish Gambino. Donald Glover has said he's retiring the character. Now, I mean, to be fair, he's retiring the character. It doesn't necessarily mean we're not going to hear from him in another guise or indeed under well, his own name Well, we're going to hear from Don Glover, the actor, quite a lot. He's yes. Got, like, he's, he's booked, you know, like he's doing a lot of big things. Yeah, and doing. that's the other thing. Yeah, I mean, typically the old rapper turned actor, the rap suffers massively when that happens. I mean, I don't think this is a loss. I mean, like, I think Don Grover is good, but I don't think he's great. And I think a lot of people adore him and I wonder why, because Charles Gambino is hit and miss. Uh, as an actor, he's hit and miss. He's got charisma for sure, but I'm just like, okay, grand. I I don't quite no, get it. No, I mean, it doesn't like as a character as a thing. It doesn't really resonate with me, or it doesn't stand out in a way that we even really need a retirement. I mean, he's kind of talking about like how maybe he's no longer feeling punk, or that was a kind of punk thing. <sighs> What's and he on about? I don't really know. He's just—is this him? Like I'm too mature now. I'm moving into a different phase. I of, don't know. I don't At know. the very least, it's blatant misuse of the word punk, isn't it? He's like, you know, it's it's punk because it's a gospel song on the radio, and it's like, no, you just said it. It's a gospel. It's not. He's a TV punk. and a movie star, and his upcoming projects are gigantic. He's going to be like Young Lando Calrissian in the in the Han Solo thing. He's going to be voicing Simba in the Lion King remake that nobody wants. Uh, punk Simba. He's going to have he's going to have his mane in in a mohawk. It just seems odd. I mean, it just seems like a strange kind of thing to do. Maybe he was concerned that as an artist that part of him was being overlooked and it's a case of putting this on ice for now until it can come back in a different guise, but I don't know. I mean, like, I think he's very capable. I think Charles Gambino has some great songs, but never quite done it for me on the start-to-finish kind of level, and I think that most recent album that a lot of people are kind of wet for ain't very good. And yeah. I'm like, okay. It's, it's, it's alright. Um, has its moments. It does have its moments. But like I say, yeah, I mean, like, look, at the very least, this just takes the pressure off. He's, if he's got something good in five years' time, he can bring it out. And if not, he's not going to have people clawing all over him uh, to come back as childish, childish Gambino in the months and years to come. Maybe he just doesn't want to get into a massive, complicated, kind of, you know, hugely controversial battle with Roger, with Roger Waters. So. <laughs> what am I talking about? What are you talking about, Dave? It's Roger Waters and Tom York uh, arguing over Radiohead's decision to play in Israel and uh, Roger Waters' support for a cultural boycott there. Um, Tom York kind of lashed out, saying, you know, they're ripping on us in public rather than talking to us directly. Roger Waters says that he had actually reached out to Tom York and heard nothing in return. Yeah, I mean, from what Roger Waters is saying here and trying to clear the situation up, it does, I mean, it doesn't make Tom York sound great if all of this is true. Um, So basically what he's saying is that there was kind of a personal dialogue kind of started by Waters. Um, The Radiohead singer misinterpreted his attempt to start a conversation as a threat. I guess he's going to say, unless you pull these things, I'm going to go put blah, blah, blah. Um, And angrily responded before cutting off communication. And then since then, Waters has made every effort to engage with Tom personally. He still liked to have that conversation. Um, He actually kind of said what his kind of follow-up was, was, hey, Tom, I'm sorry, my letter 
it wasn't meant to be confrontational. I was reaching out to see if we could have the conversation that you talk about in your reply. Can we? Love or. And then directly after that, Tom York is saying that they should have come to me privately. Yeah. So yeah, it's a strange one. Um, but yeah, I mean. But who'd have thought, lads, <laughs> that having a conversation about the West Bank <laughs> and Israeli occupation of Palestine would be complicated, huh? Yeah, I mean, Radiohead must really feel like people are just kind of surrounding them and getting in on them at this point. Uh, it's a, it's an odd thing because, you know, the boycott makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But then Radiohead have their own arguments about wanting to play for a kind of completely innocent people playing yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I mean, that's always been the, 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 the kind of the question, isn't it? Is it the bond between fans and artists, which, you know, obviously an artist is going to want to play for their fans. And if there are thousands of people who want Radiohead to come to Israel, then it seems a kind of a dickish move to deny There's also that. the whole, I mean, like a lot of Tom York's original statement comes across as especially protective of Johnny Greenwood. Oh, very much who so. Who he cites as being quite an expert in this whole situation yeah. due to the fact that Tom, uh, Johnny Greenwood is married to, uh, as Tom York puts it, an Arab Jew, and essentially would have a lot of friends who, um, kind of both sides of the conflict, who would have their own kind of opinions. And Tom York's main contention appears to be that he has a lot of respect for the people who are talking down to him, as he puts it, and he's stunned. Like, if you read, like, you know, the, like the way the way that he it's phrased, the amount of italics used by the journalist who put it together indicates that Tom York's vocal pattern was just uh, one of complete and utter. Uh, dismay and vehemence that, right. that anybody could challenge him and there's a point though in Roger Waters kind of statement because he says that he's contacted him three times essentially uh, in different capacities and has been shot down every time or flat out ignored every time rather apart from this kind of missive uh, in which he says at one point like not talking is not an option now what I will say there is I mean come on <laughs> it is it's always an option it's, it's always an option like, it's probably like, the easiest option like it's not an open, I find it's not an open setting or anything so I mean like, like, like <laughs> open, an open session oh let's move on <laughs> well, hold on wait so I know we have to kind of finish up with the news but are you saying we're not going to come up with a solution to this there is conflict? no peace in the Middle East this week Next there week. is however a new Radiohead song what a link <laughs> uh, I promise uh, has been sitting around for well 20 odd years by now it's been released as part of the new OK computer re-release it sounds like this Yeah, as I say, a song that's already over two decades old, so it was never exactly going to be a major new direction or anything like that. But this, this I quite enjoyed. Yeah, um, it's obviously from the OK Computer Sessions. It sounds very uh, the Benzy. Oh, though, I was it? about to say big time. Yeah, um, and you can understand why. Um, as much as actually, I, I kind of grew to like the song, even though it's it's quite simplistic. You can understand why they decided to leave it off because you kind of can't really figure out where it would have sat in terms of the tone and the yeah, overall themes. Big of OK time computer. when it started moving into that whole sort of like technological 
edge in both lyrics and production. Yeah, uh, and this they is, had an okay computer. This yeah. is, I mean, you know, extremely well, maybe as sweet as Radiohead can get, which isn't you know entirely sweet, but it's it's kind of far removed from the you know desperate angst of okay computer. Um, but no, the minute it starts with those kind of very nineties acoustic guitars and you've a bit of buzz, it's just like I got very nostalgic. I have to say, yeah, yeah. I mean, like lost Radiohead song or Radiohead b-side or whatever doesn't exactly light my fire but i did have that same kind of thing like i i remember like it, it brought me straight back to like kind of you know robbing my brother's cds yeah and especially the bends and kind of throwing them on and like trying to like radiohead are a band that i've found hard to decipher over the years like i've never quite gotten to the same celestial level that some fans would with them and i kind of wish i had to be honest with you. i really really do because uh, when they hit they're fucking incredible for me but for other people they seem to have that all the way through but I did quite like this yeah and it did kind of feel like hearkening back to a different time even for music writing and I, I quite like that I think it holds up very very well in its own regard I can see why it didn't make the cut per se but yeah it was good and in, in a strange I guess Radiohead kind of way oddly kind of hopeful yeah oh yeah very bit. much so Um, and the first of three new songs well old new songs that we're getting and just from live recordings and stuff and in terms of their you know infamy uh, amongst Radiohead fans this is probably the kind of maybe weak one or the one people weren't quite waiting for so the next two should be yeah, exciting well, this has been kind of discarded from the live set for yeah. 16 years yeah. or something like that so in terms of you know kind of lost or like kind of fan favourite Radiohead songs people wanted to hear a proper version of how are you both feeling about True Love Waits almost a year on from a Moonshade Pool I don't really like what they did with it I love that honest. song no I love the um, live version from I Might Be Wrong that LP yeah I, I quite like it I must say and you know I mean like the whole point though is that like the reinvention was in itself one of the sort of selling points of it that you can sort of see the bones of where it came from and then what it became yeah so. well I'm just kind of because a lot of people were worried with these kind of new songs that there were going to be new treatments or new recordings yeah. and they're clearly from the sessions because I mean with Lift which is just like the big long awaited long awaited one they'd be kind of tinkering with that and doing different versions in the 2000s and they were far removed from the kind of the one everyone wants so it's kind of good just to get that old sound I think we have a few artists in Songs of the Week this week making their Songs of the Week debuts. So let's kick off with one of them. This is a cool summer breeze from Always. So, I described it as Cool Summer Breeze. That's not the name of the song. The name of the song is In Undertow. Uh, this band first came to my radar with a song called Marry Me Archie a couple of years ago, which I really, really digged. I think it's a great track. I quite like this one. Um, again, it's that kind of like summery, kind of, you know, like hazy kind of thing going on. And it's kind of song where it's like, it's almost kind of deceptively disposable in some regards. Yeah. I think you could very easily, you know, dismiss it and be like, oh, that was nice, I'll never go back to it. But the more I go back to this, the more I really like it. Yeah, you know what, like, there, there's enough going on in terms of, like, little guitar licks and stuff like that, yeah. that it isn't a purely just sort of a disposable pop song or whatever. There's enough fuzz to give it a little bit of an edge and a kind of a shoegazy element almost. And, yeah, I, I think that 
the upbeat breakup song is one of the most neglected forms of music. Yeah. Apart from Disposable Pop does it really well and everyone else just sort of discards it. I think that's a great area and this <laughs> really works for me. I really enjoy this. So your first solo LP is going to be pretty much consistently those kind of songs. Upbeat is that what you're breakup saying? songs, yeah. yeah. Can't wait. Um, yeah, I really like this. Uh, it reminds me of kind of, I mean, C86, jangly pop, um, just power pop kind of emphasis on the melody but it has enough of an edge and I also I like her voice I mean Molly Rankin's voice there's enough kind of not cynicism but a kind of enough of a a shade there that it doesn't come across too twee or anything like that yeah you kind of have like a camera obscura or the pipettes at their best kind of thing about this really yeah um, just a strong melody I think yeah, very yeah. enjoyable. Now, if you were one of the many people who were taken in by M83's Midnight City when it broke them, and you bought the accompanying record, the first track, Intro, would have featured vocals from Zola Jesus. She's back with Exhumed. voice she has. I saw this described on Pitchfork, I believe, as a strange combination of uh, Evanescence and Kanye West era Yeezus, and then the writer went on to be like, no, 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 I swear, like that might sound ridiculous, but that's kind of what it sounds like. And I gotta say, I agree. This one is bonkers in a pleasant kind of way, and I find her her style and her vocal so compelling. This is like... Not to throw out like kind of lazy comparisons here, but like there's kind of a Porter's Head thing at play here as well. I I think it's just really kind of a nice marriage of aggressive industrial and contemporary pop. This one really really did it for me. Yeah, I think maybe a more accurate comparison might be like Chelsea Wolfe's last album, which uh, yeah. which which had quite in common with this. It's certainly arresting and it's it's pretty relentless. I guess to the point that I wonder like. Could I possibly listen to 45 minutes of this? I mean, if this comes out in rec- on a record where it's all like this, I think I could just end up overwhelmed almost. But for what it's worth, this song itself I thought was fantastic. Well, it's funny seeing the fan reaction because there's kind of unanimous thing of just like, oh, finally she's back to those hard beats that were missing apparently on the last album. It was just kind of more of a pop or more accessible thing. So who knows if it's going to be literally a full album of that. Um... I really, really like the music, but for me, it's just like that jarring thing, which is she's clearly going for. I don't know; it didn't quite work with the vocal for me. It was a bit too evanescency. Um, like I'm not much of a goth guy, so I don't know if you know that about me. But how do you explain the eyeliner then? <laughs> hey, man, I'm an individual, not a goth. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> and black is slimming. <laughs> you do look good though thanks man I, I was listening it. to this kind of in tandem with that new Suzanne Sundfor track which I found quite oh, yeah. lovely and it's kind of like but it really felt like like light and dark like like they were very strange bedfellows yeah. uh, incidentally if any uh, producers of the James Bond franchise listen to this podcast give Suzanne Sundfor the job next time she's fucking great MIA though is an artist which I would find kind of contentious she's back though with a song called Goals bring your GoPro Question, I don't know. Staring at the wall, and I'm waiting for the pro. 
so MIA, okay, I mean, like, you know, Paper Planes is a banger, we all know that. I think mm-hmm. Born Free is a belter, even if the video was juvenile and ridiculous. Um, is she a bit not very good? <laughs> I think Like, she... is, is, is it time to kind of say, you know what, she's not great? No, you know what, I think I would reasonably say that, like, Kala, which had Paper Planes, and to a lesser extent, the following album, Maya, was probably when she was at her best, and that's partially because she wasn't holding a lot back. This feels quite bare and quite empty and it really suffers for that I would love to be in the studio and be able to say to her you know what you're not going to do on this track you're not going to spell out a word yeah you know what like this to me sounds like kind of like the stems with which you'd build a remix of a track that we've just never heard because there's constantly these sort of jumping off points I hear where it's like oh it could do something interesting now but it just steadfastly refuses to do so I really liked it um, she's been doing the kind of very po-faced, uh, in-your-face thing for such a long time that I just kind of got bored with her. And, you know, in interviews, she's, like, fiercely intelligent and really interesting, but she makes a lot of points where she's saying, if I... if <laughs> Colm is now laughing at me for saying Sorry. fiercely intelligent. Should we, <laughs> Point we, we, we should probably explain why. It's an old reference. Yeah. Is it? What does yeah. it do? You have to explain why now, otherwise we're going to sound like we're just misogynistic or something. Yeah, no, it was uh, a, a, an Emily Sanday interview in Hot Press, <laughs> which, <laughs> which, which which was sort of hijacked, you know, because there was a sentence that was like, you know, she seems qu- she seems quiet and tired, but on the contrary, she's a fiercely intelligent young woman. And it was just like, what, what, why have you put that in there? Because essentially, like, you know, the interview was quite stilted and her answers were like one sentence answers. These quotes seem terrible. Yeah. But actually. <laughs> but I guess, like, you know, the powers of on high thought, well, we don't want to offend her, so let's put in a ridiculous compliment for no reason. It was well, just so fucking jarring and stupid. But hot press, yo. That's kind of like this song because there's not a lot going on, but actually look a bit deeper and there's some great stuff. Now, I, she's talked a lot about how... As an artist, she initially was maybe going for kind of like the mainstream and trying to become a big deal, but she decided that would involve selling out and too much compromise. And while that's kind of, I don't know, I mean, admirable to a certain extent, it doesn't make for great music when she's just doing random stuff. Like, this is the most accessible I've heard. But do you not think, I mean, based, even based on what you're saying, and I, and I do agree with you, like, you know, she is a very interesting person. She's, you know, kind of an, like a. I don't know, I, I'm not going to call her an icon, but I, for some people she is, you know? Yeah. But then again, her music ain't great, you know? Like Her music was great, though. Was it? Was Akala, it ever, was, I know, was it ever great? Deca- it is like, a decade ago now. Yeah. But yeah, it was an amazing mashup of styles and stuff. And the songs were brilliant. I mean, this harkened back to like the likes, for me, just tonally in terms of there being a bit of kind of tranquility in there of like a Jimmy, like that kind of thing. And you just I was actually went back to some of the stuff which I hadn't listened to in a long time. And the songs are actually there, so... They've just been missing for a long, long time. <laughs> While this is an amazing, I liked it. I liked it. Upbeat guitar banger that you could play in a clothes shop, you say? <laughs> it's Death From Above. That's right, Death From Above, not Death From Above 1979, they've dropped that from their name. Presumably, how Jimmy Murphy feels about that one. But they're apparently friends these days. Yeah, 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 they are. I, th- I think they lashed out at the start and then they were like, 
And then we found out that uh, actually James Murphy was on honeymoon at the time and it was entirely his lawyer was doing this. Yeah, so. I believe they released a statement, like, which I just remember all caps and something. Like it oh, ended it with, incredible. like if we had the resources, we would fly a plane into your face. Yeah, some amazing line yeah. like that. But they've mellowed out now. Uh, this song is called Freeze Me. And it was premiered on a BBC radio show. I think it was Mr. Jam. Yeah. Uh, it was the hottest record in the world. And, you know, he said it sounded like the sound of 2017. <laughs> now, granted, he had them both on the phone on separate lines, which made for some fun crossover. Yeah. And they sounded like in good form. But, I, I, I don't know. Like, Is there anything here? No. I don't think so. I, I kind of enjoyed it. I mean, here's the thing, and, you know, it's funny, we talked about it last week with Foo Fighters, which is, you know, like, if you have, you know, a catchy riff and sort of a good melody, you don't have to try to convince everybody that you're actually a hard rock band. You're you're allowed to just own that. And I think they do in this... It's very liberating. I think, I think they do in this situation. Like, the vocals are a bit odd. They almost go Tom York-esque at times, I found, when he started hitting the higher register. But, no, I like this. I don't think the riffs are good enough. No, though. they're not. They, they they sound quite stock, and they sound kind of like you know. This sounds like you would play it on Rock Band or something. Like, yeah, you know, there's something dated about it. Like the 2017 dated. thing didn't oh, register no, no, for no, me. No, that, I know it's bollocks. just like a stock thing you would say when someone returns with new music, but like, <laughs> and you have them on the phone. Oh, yeah. Sorry, on two different phone lines. <laughs> yeah, it sounded very dated and kind of like. I'm I'm always aware of like artists coming out with like the the big lead single off their new albums now, and it's just kind of like you really really need to have a lot of substance, and this is not here. But then again, their last album like it was kind of like it was fine, mm. yeah, it was yeah. grand, and it was good for like playing over montages of whatever World Cup was on that year. But like I mean, there's nothing here. Like they like big riffs. I mean, like it, it, it's it's a bad state of affairs when Royal Blood are doing this better than you. Yeah, I'm not sure if they are, to be honest. I like I, I thought this was fine. I I I think there's enough there musically that this stands as you know, I mean, like you might be right in saying, as you mentioned earlier, that there could be something slightly disposable about it. You mentioned that talking about always. Uh there might be something slightly disposable about this, but for me that's just because it's got a kind of a good pop hook and they've actually let that stand. Yeah, I mean, definitely not the hottest record in the world right now. But yeah, no. I've said it. But, like, it is for, like, Tuesday. <laughs> I still think pro- it's Leamy G's new one, mate. <laughs> that, that, <that's> the, <laughs> All week. That's the problem with his job. He can't just do a hottest record every second day. Uh, well, it's true, like. He's filling it in is. for Annie Mac. Like, I was talking to her about it once, and she says it's going to be a nightmare trying to find them. Yeah, and also she's kind of replacing Zane Lowe, who was just enthusiastic to the point of madness about everything. Yeah. Okay. Listener, if you like the sound of my voice, and I can only presume that you do, perhaps you'd like to hear me talking on a personal level for over an hour. That's right. The latest episode of Personality Bingo, which drops this Sunday with Tom Moran. Great show, by the way. I'm the guest. Woo! Thanks, man. Cheers. So, if you're unfamiliar with that podcast, which of course is part of the Heads Up Podcast Network, it's a really good show. Uh, It's actually a cool concept. He is a very enthusiastic guy, great interviewer, fun to talk to. And essentially what it is, is over the course of an hour, he has 60 balls in the bingo machine. He has 60 questions prepared. He pulls out a ball with a number on it. I assume he got up to about three of them with you. I think about four, yeah. (laughs) Four four or five. But uh, I got to say, I mean, I recorded it a couple weeks ago and like, you know, it has whimsy. It has some kind of weird personal confession, some stuff which I maybe wish I could take back, but I can't. It's Alrighty. done. The edit is, is prepared. So, yeah, a couple of days after this episode comes out, go seek that out. Uh, I haven't heard it yet, so maybe it's terrible. Maybe you shouldn't. I don't know. You'll, you'll learn more about me, and you'll probably never listen to this show again. So I, I guess we're going to have to make this week's album of the week an interesting one. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. 
This is Alt J. So fucking loud, Mister. That's In Cold Blood from Relaxer, Alt-J's third record. Alt-J are a band that I struggle with. They came out in about 2012. A lot of people kind of raved about them. They've performed some major shows. They headlined Longitude one year, I believe. Uh, they've got an upcoming gig in the Trinity thing that the MCD are doing this year. So there'll be a few thousand people. Yeah. They are popular, and it's an odd style. He's got an odd voice. The songs themselves are kind of weird, kind of jazz, incremental kind of things that do they or do they not work. But for whatever reason, they have a massive, massive following. This record is out about a week now, and uh, it has divided opinion, to say the least. Some of the reviews have uh, been top to bottom. Some people calling it a work of genius. Some people calling it absolutely, absolutely rubbish. They're a band that I don't like. I think I might like this record. Okay. Wow, I, you threw me there. I don't quite know why. Has something won you around? I just thought it was different and uh, weirdly ambitious. And like, it manages to take, you know, very, very well-known songs, like House of the Rising Sun, for example, and The Old Triangle. Fucking hell, yeah. And do like kind of weird reinterpretations of them that like ordinarily I should be like, well, this is the worst thing ever. And you, I, weren't. and you weren't. And I, and I wasn't. Was it the fact that it's only 38 minutes long and you have a real hard on for that yeah. now? Like, eight tracks, 38 eight tracks, minutes. <laughs> I think I like this album. And I, and, but why am I being so hesitant? I mean, like, it clearly is a bunch of fucking toffs yeah. having a bit of a laugh. I mean, you see, and th- this is the thing. It, I should like, hate this. Yeah, it says a lot that, like, you, you, you think you, you like it. And for a while, I was just like... I think I hate this, but it took me ages for me to put my finger on what it was that I found quite so irritating. And I think it's because, you know, like there's small little features that kind of grab my attention every now and then that I was just like, okay, I don't like that. But why am I becoming so fixated on it? And I think it's because I found it just lacking in substance elsewhere. It's a bit like, you know, when there's a ticking clock in your room and during the day you don't even notice it. But in the dead of night, it's the only thing in the only sound there and so it's all you can hear that's how this song this album as yeah. a whole felt to me at times they always sounded like fidgety to me in the past oh, yeah. because almost like that thing where it, just to distract from the fact that there was no kind of central idea going on um, and they got away with just kind of oh they're a bit experimental in Radiohead because they actually can't quite decide what parts they like best in this mm. song it's just um and actually, with the with one of the first tracks we got, three WW, which is apparently short for three worn words, even though it takes longer to say three WW, yeah. which really annoys me. No, I really liked that song because it had time and space. It was definitely paired back, and there was kind mm. of an exotic. It felt like they were going somewhere different with things. Um, and then in Cold Blood, as we just heard, you're straight Opens with back. with a binary solo. Yeah, you're straight back. So Pet Shop Boys were the closest we were going to get to fly to the Concords on this show. Yeah, and then, I mean, from there, I really have to disagree, Dave, in terms of the kind of interpretations of old songs, because it just felt really almost almost patronising to me. First of all, we do not need to hear any other iteration of House of the Rising Sun ever again. yeah. yeah. I agree there. I agree, but I I liked it. Also, I think Glenn Hansard has co-opted the old triangle forever. But the way that they're not on the roof of Apollo House, lads, (laughs) give it a rest. But the way, 
the way that they use really the way that it comes in really? in this kind of strange science fiction weird kind of like dystopia thing that they've created in this yeah i think they've created an atmosphere i think they've created an atmosphere now granted the album loses me before the end well, I think, but here's the thing. Can you really, could you name like a few really, really memorable moments? Because what I think yeah, they, I think I like the production is I'll great. I'll right now. All right, do it. Okay, Ellie Russell coming in in 3WW. Yeah, yeah they are I'm best when that. they've a different singer. I, that's yeah, right? I, I admire the kind of ostentatiousness of In Cold Blood. I think it actually harnesses what they've done before, but I actually think it's done well. The House of the Rising Sun thing, I've read one review, and I guess Craig almost kind of said it himself there in, in a few different words, that basically says... You know that song, the original song by the Animals. Is, it, is it theirs originally? Uh, no, 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 it's, it's kind a of cover. Traditionally... Popularized it though. Okay, yeah. right. Yeah. Well, the original song, I mean, like you know, is very much telling you a story and involving you. Yeah, this one is pretty much putting you at arm's length. But sure. I kind of like that they, they just start talking about like but the dad. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just felt like really... there's a coldness to this. Yeah, well, there's also a tremendous fucking like you know arrogance to trying to put yourself into that song, which they've done. And granted, I, I don't think it fully comes together. The kind of, like, refrain doesn't really work, but the build-up I thought was quite good. Uh, I think Dead Crush is really good. Yeah, I'm, you know what? I, I will say I like Dead Crush as a song, but I think that's probably because it might be the most focused track on the album mm-hmm. in terms of going, right, this isn't going to go over four minutes. This is going to be a pretty straightforward, like the hook's going to continue throughout. Adeline, though, where the old triangle thing comes in as as kind of a texture, maybe it's because I wasn't expecting it and I was like, Jesus Christ, lads, that's pretty blatant. I just thought it fit. I I, I thought it actually fit into place. I mean, here's the thing. I mean, I won't disagree that, you know, it sort of fits in a manner of speaking because, frankly, in an album that is quite... I think self-satisfied with its intelligence and its intellectualism. Haven't they always been? Oh, absolutely! Oh, yeah. There's no doubt about that. The thing is, I would, I'd love to know what this album sounded like when they were doing demos or when they were writing it, because I mean, you described them as fidgety earlier. Yeah. This reminded me of remember when you used to play Chinese whispers? The idea that like that it starts with one thing and by the time that it gets to the end of the line, it's something completely different because you've just had one tiny change after another. I think we need a new name for that game. That's just just made it entirely unrecognizable. I'm guessing that happened with a lot of songs here i'm guessing that there was a core idea and sometimes you can maybe still make it out but it's just been completely bastardized frankly by playing around with it for in in the studio and you know for a year yeah i mean it's nothing if not kind of pleasant to have in the background apart from sometimes sometimes it's weird sometimes the vocals seem to work for me and other times i'm just like i can't stand this man's voice sorry it seems like such a put on but anyway just when you talk about like yeah it is fine from the background i'll I'll agree with that but can we talk about hit me like that snare oh sorry this is the most dreadful fucking piece of work i've ever heard then you you haven't heard left hand free by the same band from the last record because that song is a war crime no this is desperate this it's, sounds like remember we were talking about Rita Ora writing romance in a sort of a naive well, the lyrics way. on this album are pretty bad. Oh, he's always been. He, like, he has always, but here's the thing: you see, he the, likes sex. He, no, we get it, mate. He yeah. gets away with it because it it's, like normally, it's normally so <laughs> vocodered and layered yeah. that you don't really hear it all that well. He comes in and hit me like that snare, delivering clear as crystal. Yeah. This is another problem. This was actually a point where I realised actually all of these lyrics, which I knew you'd always hear duds, but you realise when you get down to like the essence of these songs, there's nothing really there because yeah. he's not singing. Like, it sounds like maybe he's singing something mystical and like with deep meaning. And actually, I like 
well I kind of like the aesthetic of it and even the cover and there's some kind of vibes with like just okay transporting you to different realms and there's some you know LSD references and and there's enough references to other good stuff that it signifies some deep meaning but really there's just kind of nothing there yeah I as a whole (laughs) this album sounds like three guys nudging each other like we've and, all, and nodding. We've all heard that you seen that YouTube video. Oh yeah, where the two stoners which are just like, yeah. which I didn't think was that funny, and I don't like Alt J. I, 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 I thought that was obvious. But that's like the guy. Who it's did, like who, the who, best Alt J song. No, but that's like the guy who did, like, who did like the Here's How to Write a Nine Inch Nails song, and all he did was take the melody of an existing Nine Inch Nails song. Dave, yeah. Dave's sticking up for his boy. No, but it was like it was like anyone can fucking do that. That's easy. Yeah. It's fish in a barrel. But I don't like Alt J. I don't like Alt J anymore. Well, maybe I do uh, after this record. Like I'm not, I'm not gonna like be like, oh yeah, I'm converted now. But something about this yeah. really, really worked for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm, A really I'm, weird thunderstorm is <laughs> happening right outside the window. Is it the <laughs> wrath of all Jay? The wrath of all Jay, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I must say, I just, it did not rub me right. The, it's pretentious. I, like, I, I mean, some people just get carried away with hating them because of pretension. And, like, this is not an album where they're, like, disappearing up their own arses by any means. Yeah, like, but I feel like for a true experience of listening to this album you should listen to it next to a bloke who's just going huh huh did you get that now huh yeah and like they're nice blocks i mean i interviewed um gus unger hamilton and he was just couldn't have been sweeter and <laughs> this is what this is going to be my point <laughs> um, we had a great chat and i would you know i talked to him all day he was like a very interesting funny guy and very modest to boot and he was just like all we wanted to be was like played on six music once and just release an album and but like what we're doing we're doing stadiums and stuff now this is bizarre but that's kind of like the problem, isn't it? That name right there. It's just when people <laughs> stop buying music, it means that the only people that can afford to make music is people or that Gus study fine art and are called Gus Unger Hamilton. Yeah. <laughs> like that Manchester tribute thing, right? When Liam Gallagher came out and did Live Forever, I got chills. And Liam Gallagher couldn't make a living as a musician these days <laughs> <laughs> on his council estate. Yeah. So, yeah. That's all I'm saying. Wow, I didn't expect Fight the power. three of you to go there. Yeah, look, look I'm, I'm not like flying the flag for this. I mean, it is massively pretentious. It sounds like something that would play at a fucking NCAD show, you know? It's just kind of <laughs> yeah. like... But I don't know. I mean, like, part of it works for me, and I desperately don't want to say it, but I'm going to say it. It's a really good headphones album. Oh, there we <laughs> but go. it is. It actually is. And, like, it did transport me to different places. I did kind of go with it, and I did like the kind of weird things. Because it's like, you know... Anyone can, like, pick a famous song and, like, work it into their existing melody. And, like, that's kind of lazy and stupid and silly and it's not yours to do. But I kind of admire them for doing it for some weird reason. Mainly just because I went into this going, like, this is going to be fucking muck. And it wasn't what I expected. I quite liked the jarring coldness of it. That it seemed to be almost about, like, you know, we don't care if you like this record or not. Like, it's just, like, this is what we're doing. It's eight tracks. It doesn't even feel like an album in in some respects. The cover art is like something off a fucking great 80s video game. Yeah, it like literally is. It's they oh, enlisted it? a guy that made, I think it was a 1998 game, LSD, which was like some Japanese artist, and they made, they made a kind of recreation of it. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But I kind of, you know, I, like through my own kind of fault, I suppose, I've got a reputation of, of being like, uh, I don't know whether it's dismissive or like hating everything or blah, 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 blah. But like, I like when stuff like this comes along and kind of challenges me a little bit and I find myself admitting you know what I think this is actually pretty good and I do and that's why I'm awarding it 6 out of 10 <laughs> alright <laughs> I feel like you dropped a few stars <laughs> like yeah, since few? over the course of this well, 6 and a half out of 10 alright yeah, no, yeah not doing it for me um, it, it's kind of like the difference between 
I don't know, some sort of like, you know, Stephen Fry sort of character and just like a dull college professor where it's like, it doesn't really matter how clever it is. If you can't wrap it in something vaguely appealing, I'll give it a four. Yeah, four for me. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Anything else to listen to this week, boys? Uh, you can see how uh, wonderful my lateral thinking is when I heard Marika Hackman uh, uh, feature on the Old J album on the song last year and thought, hey, she's got an album out this week. I should listen to that as well. And uh, yeah, it, it, it's actually quite decent. It's called I'm Not Your Man. I hear good things That's, about that, yeah. 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 It's worth, worth Proper listen. real musician who just went to college with uh, Cara Delevingne. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I've I've been listening to the Cribs new song, which is wow. really good in your palace. Enemy Amazing. rolled up in the back pocket. Amazing like? band. The Cribs, yeah, the Cribs are back. The most never went away. Men since Michael Parkinson. <laughs> Men's needs is a belter. Let's be fair. Oh, there's so many great. Oh, songs. I'm like burning for no one off their last album. Great they're song. a great, great underrated band. They're a pretty good band. Yeah. Uh, I've been going back in time a couple of years to the horrors for no reason other than I wanted to listen to the horrors again. They're a great band. We, were, band. we were discussing the horrors just the other day. We actually, are, yeah. how I caught them. Like when they were really shit. I maintain they had a couple of good songs when they started off. Obviously, they got far superior. Canton Fives is great. Yeah, yeah, they kind of had a fairly significant reinvention along the way, I suppose. But uh, yeah, I caught them at the very beginning of 2007, where they were first on the bill on a night that was topped by the automatic. Love it. Oh I love it so much. That's some evening. Yeah, I've listened to Skying mostly, and I recall around the time I interviewed Farris, and good to talk to. Didn't give much away, but still an interesting interview. And I remember, like, myself and Craig kind of saying, like, well, these are the best band in Britain at the moment. Yeah. Why aren't they being hailed as such? And they still haven't quite broken out of their bracket, but they're still around, still making music. There's talk of a new album, and I really hope we get it. And if you ever have the chance to check them out live, I would highly recommend it. I've also given only one spin to the new Fleet Foxes record, which lands next Friday, and I presume we'll be talking about it before then. But we won't be talking about it with you, Colm Regan. No. You're off again. Going away again. Where to? Norway again. Of course. Yeah. Sick of it at this stage. Second home, really. Abandoning us. you fucking marry it, like? <laughs> Well, Craig, you and me, buddy, until uh, the end. We might get someone else in. We might, yeah. We shall see. Watch this space. Well, have a nice time. I'll do my best. Bring us back something nice. Total rounds all around. Something good, something good. Okay, and speaking of something good, to close us out this week, Eggs Music, as always, comes to you with a new Irish music of a good nature. This is Saint Sister, who I meant to play this song last week, actually, but we had Dahi on, and Dahi had it in his contract that we had to play him at the end of the episode, <laughs> because I guess he's bastard, massively yeah. insecure, but what can you do? Uh, Saint Sister, fresh from a gig at the National Concert Hall, which I didn't get to go to, unfortunately, but I heard great things. And by all accounts, they were causing trouble. Hey! Because that's the name of the song. My name is Dave Hanrady. This has been No Encore. There will be no encore. See you next week.
This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Okay, I'm here. Hit record. <laughs> Competition never waits. Take your gear on the go with a custom pack built to protect it. Because any place can be an arena. Game on. The Toomey Esports Capsule. Available on Toomey.com and select Toomey stores.